Hello and welcome to episode number five of the Wolfcast and today I'm here with Angela who's run a couple of gut health workshops here at Wild Wolves and she's here today to talk about to talk about gut health. So firstly I know you said you're a nutritionist and healthy living pharmacist. So yes. Do you want to explain? Um, yep, so I've worked in um, healthcare for about 15 years as a pharmacist, um, healthy living pharmacist. And in the last couple of years, I've been more become more interested in preventative health, and mm-hmm. holistic health, and having to improve our health in general overall. Um, so I've trained as a as a nutritionist. I'm now um, working as a registered nutritional therapist. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, I've come from a background where is I've been trained in orthodox medical healthcare um, for quite a long time. We realised that there's quite a lot of things that we're really good at, but with holistic health and managing chronic conditions, not so good maybe. Um, so yeah, and I began my own health journey probably about five years ago, um, looking at my own health. I was suffering quite badly from severe eczema, um, and at the time I didn't know I had a a gut imbalance mm-hmm. um, and I was also looking to um, start a family and I realised after a few years that I was having some problems um, so yeah I went down the, the normal route and after a few years realised that there was something else that I needed to look into um, I tried lots of other th- um, alternative therapies I, I did try things like acupuncture, Chinese medicine and they did help to a certain extent but um, I went and decided to enrol on a nutritional medicine diploma mm-hmm. um, because there was just so much information out there. I just didn't know what was what was myths and what was evidence based and what was mm. um, what was just folklore. <laughs> but um, yeah, and after I did that for three years, completed the course, and during those three years, um, I was really lucky to find quite a lot of. Uh, lecturers and practitioners that helped me and my own health care journey um, so I did a lot of functional testing I had gut imbalance I had liver imbalance I also had a candida infection mm-hmm. as in um, a, a gut overgrowth of candida mm. uh, which I wasn't aware of and that was affecting my gut health um, and I had uh, lead toxicity from lead pipes which wow yeah I didn't know and that was affecting my energy levels I was very fatigued all the time and I didn't know I didn't realize any of this yeah how did they do all of these tests um I had to do them privately through my practitioner so Mm -hmm. at the time when I was training I couldn't do them on my own because I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't qualified yet Mm -hmm. so I went through qualified um unregistered nutritionists um and they did the testing for me, analysed the results, and yeah, I had to um, go on certain protocols and supplement um, su- supplement regimes. So it involved usually involves like a diet, three month certain diet, and uh, some supplements to help to help um, get to the root cause. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it took me it took me a few years mm, to be honest because mm. there was one thing I didn't realise there was just so so much going on and yeah it's just really, you just don't realize that's fascinating I guess and it all just started from your eczema and wanting to have a baby yeah it did um 
I was actually concentrating on wanting to have a baby, but didn't realise that I had underlying underlying health issues that was contributing to mm. that. Um, so by dealing with those issues first, I think that that helped. Mm. Um, and also I was under a lot of stress. Um, so it involved not just changing my diet and my lifestyle, but also the mentally. Yeah. Um, I started yoga, which is yeah. how it brought me to the Wild Wolves. Yeah. A friend recommended yoga and wasn't really sure about it at first. Mm. <laughs> but I, yeah, it's one of the one of the things that actually really, really helped me relax mm. and calm my mind and deal with my stress and that also changed quite a lot of um my work-life balance mm -hmm. and looking at the priorities in my life so um yeah it's yeah. been a real journey that yeah it is and that's that's so fascinating that it kind of it all stems from your gut as well mm. um which is interesting because one of the questions I've got here is um is it true that you have neurotransmitters in your gut yeah it is true so <laughs> I think it's about 95% of your neurotransmitters are made in your gut. So these are the ones that are things like serotonin, dopamine, okay. those types of neurotransmitters, okay. which are your, a lot of people call them your happy hormones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thought of them as ho hormones. I think maybe I don't really know what a neurotransmitter actually is. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, I suppose, yeah, the, the word is a bit like a, a bit medical a bit, a bit medical for for a lot of reasons, mm. but neuro, yeah, neurotransmitters are simply hormones or chemicals okay. in your body, and they're natural, they're made in your body, mm -hmm. and they have lots and lots of different functions. Mm -hmm. um, most people think about them just working in your brain, mm -hmm. especially with um, things like serotonin mm. I mean, there's lots of other ones. There's things like insulin. There's lots of other, yeah. other types of neurotransmitters as well. But if we're talking about gut, then yes, they're, they're used in the gut as well, which is really interesting because a lot of people just think about them for your moods. But yeah, but they are involved in gut health as well. Okay, that's fascinating. I've heard stories of people um, being told they had depression. It t turned out that they had IBS or something going on, and that's really helped. Yeah, there's a really strong link between... Um, things like IBS mm. and anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. So there's a gut-brain link, mm -hmm. um, which I've talked about a little bit on my blog posts, on my website, and also in the work workshops that I've done. And mm. um, we do go into that in a little bit more detail. But um, I think everybody's experienced being nervous about something or stressed about something. And yeah, you feel might, it in your tummy. Yeah, you feel it in your tummy, like butterflies in your stomach, or you need to go to the toilet. Mm. Um, or just maybe a little bit crampy. Um, I've definitely had that. Um, and that is a physical response and that is linked mm. to how you feel mm. mentally. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes if it's just a short-term thing, then, yeah, that's not really a problem. But if it's repeated and... Um, every day or chronic, then it can cause problems. Mm. So I know. So for for example, anxiety specifically is quite often linked to a fast gut transit. Mm. Um, so needing to go to the toilet quite frequently. Mm, okay. Um, because it's stimulating your the muscles in your gut. Yeah. Um, and it can work the other way as well. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
That's interesting, actually. Yeah, I'm quite gluten intolerant, and I've noticed that every, if I do occasionally cheat, I always feel very sad afterwards. But I don't know if maybe that's just psychological because I'm disappointed in myself. But I notice a real shift in my mood after if I yeah, eat something. Yeah, yeah with gluten gluten's in. a big one. Mm. Um, and I did a workshop recently, talked a little bit about gluten intolerance, mm. gluten sensitivity, mm. which is different. Yeah. So some people have celiac, are yeah. actually gluten intolerant, where they just cannot at all yeah stand there yeah and, and they've had test blood tests mm-hmm. that's come up as celiac and the other that's quite extreme mm-hmm. that's one end of the spectrum and then you have the other end where you may be just gluten sensitive mm-hmm. not specifically intolerant um and a lot of people are sensitive but not intolerant yeah which is confusing because sometimes i think people go to the doctors and get tested and it comes back negative and then you think oh well i'm fine yeah but you can still be very sensitive to it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely get stabbing pains every time I eat gluten, really? so I know it's not for me. Um, yeah, it's very irritant, unfortunately, mm. quite irritant. And we, a lot of it, that's the problem, it's in everything. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah, so actually, this uh, I've got a few questions about, about gluten here. So why yeah. does it irritate some people's stomachs so much? That's a really good question. Um, I personally don't think that we're designed to really eat a lot of gluten. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, wheat and gluten, grains and things like that have been around for thousands of years. Yeah. But the way they've been processed has changed. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look back, this wasn't the way we used to eat eat gluten or grains. Mm -hmm. Um, The way they've manufactured it and processed it is now very different. It's very refined. So I guess it would have been when people used to, you know, they used to make their own bread and bake it on their own stove and... And some people actually find that they can tolerate that. So if you, some people can tolerate spelt. Yeah. That's not yeah. as processed. It's classed as an ancient grain. Mm. Um, some people can tolerate that, and they can't tolerate the gluten. Mm-hmm. But they're both wheat, and spelt does have mm. gluten. Um, and also the way they um, make bread or pasta now, um, the process is sped up. Mm-hmm. So. Instead of allowing time for the bread or whatever it is you're making to break down, because it does, that's what happens when you make bread and put in yeast. Um, it helps the proteins and uh, sorry, the, the enzymes actually help break down some of the proteins. Um, but when that's in mass production and you're in a rush to, mm. to produce all these products, that's not always given the proper time, and we just can't digest it very well. Yeah. Um, and it's a large protein that's in the gluten that causes irritation to the gut wall lining. It causes increased permeability. Yeah, I remember when I got tested, actually, they told me I had something like, to watch out for something called leaky gut or something, which they yeah. said... Yeah, well, they, some people just don't think leaky gut exists, so it's a little bit... At the moment, it's not a medical term. Okay. So if you went to the doctors and said, I've got leaky gut, they probably wouldn't recognise yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but there is... Um, something called increased intestinal permeability, which mm. it is pretty much the same thing. Um, it's just one's a medical term, and one's yeah. not really a medical term. But the problem is with the gluten; it can, if you're eating it a lot and you're sensitive, it can mm. cause inflammation. Yeah, and it can cause. And is this when yeah. your gut starts to leak the nutrients or something? Or um, yeah, it doesn't really leak the nutrients. But what happens is that you have something called tight junctions in mm-hmm. your gut wall. Um, and this is known uh, as a medical condition where 
the, the, the junctions do become bigger. So mm. it happens, you know, in babies, mm. it can happen if you drink a lot of alcohol, it can irritate the gut lining, mm-hmm. and then you get the uh, tight junctions not being so tight anymore. So they mm. get sort of like small gaps mm-hmm. in between. Um, and when that happens, you let it can cause increased um, permeability. So large proteins like dairy or gluten can get through, mm-hmm. and that causes a immune or physical response in in a physiological response in your body. Mm. Um, and that's when it can lead to things like food sensitivities, yeah, um, and autoimmune conditions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why a lot of people that are gluten sensitive are also dairy sensitive mm-hmm. they quite often go hand in yeah hand, yeah um because they, they both produce a response from the body mm-hmm. but um you normally know yeah <laughs> people know as soon as they eat it so i'm like that as well mm. i eat a lot of gluten i can tolerate a little bit mm. but i eat too much gluten and i'm very sensitive to dairy yeah yeah and if i eat dairy i get a flare-up of my eczema my asthma flares up mm. um so I try to avoid it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I guess that leads me on to my other gluten question was, do I need to be worried about getting enough fibre if I'm gluten-free? Um, and if so, where can I get more fibre from? Yeah, this was a really good question. Um, definitely need more fibre. I, I don't think it's just gluten-free diet yeah. that's an issue. I think everybody is um at risk of having low fiber diet it's mm. actually really difficult especially if you're busy mm-hmm. um and you're one of those people that are sort of grabbing food and on the go it, so it's, it's hard even i struggle sometimes so fiber there's two types of fiber there's soluble fiber and insoluble you need both but yeah. um soluble fiber is the thing that keeps you regular mm-hmm. um and it helps bulk, bulk out bulk you out mm-hmm. um, helps you keep helps keep you feeling full as well yeah so you're not as hungry as quickly yeah um so foods that contain good sources of fiber are things like oats oats mm-hmm. are a really good source of soluble fiber any vegetables mm-hmm. um, whole fruit fruit and vegetables they've, they've yeah. got lots of fiber in um grain like uh whole grain mm-hmm. and pulses so lentils mm-hmm. Um, legumes, yeah. beans, those are all really good sources of fibre. Yeah. Um, with gluten-free, it can be harder, mm. but it depends what you're doing to replace the gluten. So mm-hmm. if you're going for the packaged gluten-free foods, mm-hmm. I would try to avoid those because mm. they've generally got sugar in and they're quite, they're quite processed and they won't have much fibre in. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're taking out gluten and replacing it with whole foods, like... Yeah. Pulses and lentils mm. and beans, then you should be fine. Mm. Um, but yeah, as a general guide, I would aim for at least seven portions of vegetables a day to get mm-hmm. your fiber. Okay, Probably. seven to get your fiber. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they say five a day, but I don't think that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> and it's hard to get in seven sometimes. But yeah, it might not be every day. But I try to I try to count my veg veg most day, and yeah, some days I will sometimes have, have like seven or eight, and other days I'm like, oh god, I've actually have like three <laughs> three things, and I try yeah. not to eat too much fruit because um. I just find the sugar a bit much for me. Yeah. Um, so I try to focus more a bit more on getting veg, it from yeah, veg. More, yeah, more from the veg. But a couple of portions of fruit is fine. Yeah. And you do need your fruit, so definitely wouldn't cut. Wouldn't yeah. Recommend cutting it out. Um, but yeah, even if you don't do that every day, it's, mm. good, it's a good 
aim mm-hmm. uh, or try like packing it in, into smoothies mm-hmm. that sort of soup mm-hmm. a really good idea um, you know you can put a handful of spinach a couple of handfuls of spinach yeah. in your smoothie you don't really notice it and that's totally. two portions already yeah. Yeah. so um, there are ways but yeah yeah, I'm just being mindful about it. Cool. Um, what would you say? There's a lot of questions I've got about probiotics here, actually. So, should we all be taking a daily probiotic? Um, especially if someone's also written, especially if you're someone prone to bloating and indigestion. Um, it depends what you want to take the probiotic for. Mm. So, I don't think everybody needs to take a probiotic. Um, I take a probiotic, but. Um, it's because I know that I struggle to get in fermented foods and mm. sometimes um, I, I've had gut tests to show that I'm a bit low in certain strains mm-hmm. of, of bacteria, mm-hmm. good bacteria. Um, and the bacteria, that's what actually what breaks down the food. Right? Yeah, it helps. Yeah. yeah, it helps to break down your food and digest. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes if you have the wrong levels, or I wouldn't say wrong, but an imbalance mm-hmm. in the good and the bad bacteria, it can cause over-fermentation. Um, in your gut and that's mm-hmm. what causes the bloating it's the gases that get produced from food that's been over fermented mm. with the wrong types of um, bacteria in your gut okay um, but it depends so say for instance you've got um, IBS mm-hmm. and really bad bloating just taking a probiotic won't necessarily solve that problem yeah it depends what the reason is you could have um, an overgrowth of the, ro- the wrong types of bacteria mm-hmm. in which case you would need to um, or if you, you might have a candida infection, mm-hmm. you might need to deal with that first before putting in a probiotic. Mm. Sometimes putting in a probiotic when you've already got imbalance can make the symptoms worse. Because then you're putting an extra thing in, okay. something that's yeah. already in there that's causing problems and you have a bit of a battle of um, of what's going on in the gut. Mm-hmm. It can sometimes make, it, make symptoms worse. So it's always better to get some sort of um, guidance. Yeah. Um, from a from a accredited nutritionist to find out exactly, I would always advise to do a gut test. Really, anyway, just yeah. to have a better better idea yeah. of what's going on in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if you're looking for just general gut health and there's no issues at all, mm. um, yes, taking a taking a probiotic is is definitely a good idea. Um, but for long-term maintenance of a healthy gut balance, a, bi- a probiotic isn't something that you can keep taking. It's very expensive. Yeah. Probiotics. You don't yeah. want to be taking that forever anyway. It's better just to feed your gut with um, whole foods. So is it, lots of yeah, or is it better to, you know, like have kombucha or apple cider vinegar? Yeah. Um, Sauerkraut, that's another fermented yeah, food, isn't and it? You, yeah, and all the fermented foods are really great for... Um, maintaining good healthy gut flora mm-hmm. um, it depends what it's like in the in the beginning so if you've not really got any major issues then yeah um, fermented foods like kombucha and kefir um, or fermented yogurts that you make at home they're really good for just maintaining a good healthy yeah. gut but if you've got really bad um, imbalance mm. then it might not be enough because they're not that strong mm-hmm. um, they won't be as strong as actually probiotics yeah, yeah. But you can start with probiotics and maybe after a few months yeah. after it's settled down and you can then move on to using fermented foods. Mm. Someone's actually asked, do Yakult's actually work? <laughs> I get asked this quite a lot, actually. Really? Yeah. Not just specifically Yakult, but um, a lot of the, the yogurt, like... Drink, little drinks, yeah. Yeah. 
to be honest, in the, sh- the short answer is not really. Because mm. um, because most of them are pasture, well, they're all pasteurised, they've mm. been heated mm-hmm. um, for safety reasons of high heat, and generally high heat will kill any, any yeah. bacteria anyway. Um, they've also got a very small amount of bacteria, and so it's unlikely to really do that much. And most of them contain sugar. Not all of them, but most of these drinks and, mm. and yogurts contain sugar to make them more palatable. And obviously, that's not really going to be helpful if you've got um, gut issues. To yeah, have, yeah. Have something regularly that's got sugar in it's just going to feed the wrong types of bacteria there. So no, I wouldn't really recommend those types of drinks. Mm. If you wanted a probiotic, mm. I would recommend just a good quality one. Yeah. And a kefir is delicious as well, I guess, if you want yeah, something that you, you can... Yeah, you make that instead, mm. buying the drinks, it'll be, be a lot better. Yeah. Um, so someone has asked, how long does it take to change your gut microbiome? And apparently they've read that it's as little as three days. And I don't actually know what a microbiome is, so I'm not quite sure what... Yeah, um, so the microbiome is your gut environment. Mm. It's the... Okay. Yeah, so it's everybody's got one. It's yeah. just all the components that make up your gut yeah it could be bacteria it could be the oh it's um, like a little eco living yeah. system kind of thing that night yeah. yeah it's like a little ecosystem yeah that's a good way of putting it actually yeah um so the, yeah the question it depends on what way you're changing it so if you're talking about disrupting the microbiome mm. it would just take as little as three days food poisoning that would definitely yeah. disrupt your microbiome yeah. a big a course of antibiotics that would mm. definitely disrupt your microbiome mm. immediately um, but if you're talking about in a positive way to rebalance it, mm. um, then no, three days. Depending on what was the problem in the first place, um, I wouldn't say three days would be enough yeah. to rebalance and establish and maintain a good gut flora. Yeah. It normally takes months or much longer. Than yeah, that, yeah. Depending on the issue, yeah. what the problem is. Yeah, and actually, you just mentioned antibiotics. So should you always like you know top up on kefir or probiotics if you are taking a antibiotic? Um, it depends on how often you're taking. So if you just had one course of antibi- antibiotics, mm. it wouldn't it wouldn't cause major problems. Yeah, I would personally advise if you are taking if you're on like a long course, longer term thing. Yeah, yeah, if you're having repeated courses of antibiotics or a longer course, definitely mm. use a probiotic mm. after you finish the course. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you're having a short course of antibiotics, there's no harm in taking a probiotic mm. afterwards as well. So is that, do they just kill some of, off some of the bacteria then? Is that what antibiotics it's like putting a, Yeah, it's like putting a bomb in there. Oh my God. <laughs> it just kills everything. Okay. Um, it, kill, it is designed, um, especially the broad spectrum ones, mm. unless go, it depends what antibiotic it is, yeah. but the broad spectrum ones are designed to basically kill off everything in there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you've got a really bad infection, then yeah, you might need that. Of mm. course, I'm not saying you shouldn't have them. That um, to help replace, uh, the, to rebalance the gut flora, then yeah, a good probiotic. You can try fermented foods, but again, it would probably take a lot longer, mm. um, and they're a lot weaker. But yeah, it's something that you could use regularly and main, to maintain. Mm. But I would advise a probiotic just yeah, just to help. Just in case, yeah. Room. I had my wisdom teeth out last year, and I was on antibiotics for like. 10 days afterwards because I got a really bad infection. I was yeah. Yeah, drinking a lot of kefir after it was done. I was, I, nothing even bad happened to me. I was just really worried. No, people <laughs> don't really find that there are yeah. any symptoms. Um, if you do have symptoms, like a lot, some people have diarrhea. Mm. Um, yeah, that is a side effect of mm. antibiotics. Mm. Just, yeah, killing everything off. <laughs> Sending everything out, yeah. Um, 
Okay, what um, is the one vitamin we should be taking? Oh, the one vitamin. Well, I don't think there's one vitamin. I think I'm, I would always recommend a good multivitamin yeah. mineral. Um, so there's two schools of thought at the moment. There's like people that think, well, you know, as long as you've got a good diet, then you mm. need a multivitamin. Um, I personally think everyone should have a good multivitamin as a good backup because it's really hard now to get enough mm. nutrients. Um, soils are just depleted. Yeah, I read something um, recently how like apples have something like 80% less nutrients that they had like 100 years yeah, ago or something. Yeah, yeah, it's hard now to mm. get the necessary nutrients that we need. Mm. Um, and also we're busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are just a lot of the time not always finding time to time to cook and even if you do mm. just the diversity of your diet is not the same as it used to be um so in general i do recommend a good quality multivitamin anyway it doesn't have you don't have to take it all the time um i take one all the time just just to cover me just in case you know of missing out on certain nutrients um but I would also rec- always recommend a multi rather than a single vitamin. Okay. It's not really a good idea unless you've been tested and you've had a, you've got a specific vitamin deficiency like vitamin D deficiency mm. or zinc deficiency and you know that and you've been tested. I wouldn't recommend long term taking one single vitamin because they all work together. Yeah. So if you just take one, like say a lot of people just take vitamin C. Um, if you just take vitamin C by itself long term, it it can cause an imbalance because mm. they work together. Some C works quite often with zinc together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just taking one can sort of cause imbalance, which is why in nature it's, it's better to eat the food rather than taking a specific vitamin. It comes packaged in nature. In the food, yeah, all, everything, everything together. Yeah. Like protein, different types mm. of vitamins. So they all work together in yeah. the body. I took... um few years ago I really wanted to grow my hair and I went mad on taking loads of B vitamins and stuff. <laughs> did it work? Like, well I think so I've got quite long hair now. <laughs> <laughs> that was the research I did online but yeah I was definitely taking singular vitamins then. But, um, who knows so but vitamin D is something I've heard that a lot of us are very low on vitamin D. Yeah and I had a bit of a talked about uh, vitamin D I'm a bit obsessed about vitamin D yeah Mary did, Mary mentioned from your thing she was like she was like and told me all these and then I was like oh my god do I need to be taking vitamin D so I was, yeah. yeah I did talk a lot about it in my um, workshop last mm. workshop and it was really interesting because there was a couple of um, medical practitioners there I think mm-hmm. it was GP and yeah they were talking about in general vitamin D deficiency because in this country we don't really have enough sun um, and she was actually one of the uh, people, one of the, the GP that was there, was saying that she knows that uh, she's, she knows people in sunnier climates that still are vitamin D deficient. So mm. it's not necessarily just about that. Mm. Um, but yeah, the NHB do not the speak Department of Health recommends that everybody takes a vitamin D supplement, especially mm-hmm. over the winter months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really, really common. Um, I see it in my practice a lot with the clients that I see I recommend they all have a and what is if you are sort of um, a bit deficient in vitamin d what is kind of like symptoms or um there's quite a few and they don't necessarily just mean that yeah vitamin d deficient so you can have it it can affect your skin to get dry skin Mm. flaky skin um if you have osteoporosis Mm -hmm. um and bone health is is involved Mm. in 
lot, if you're tired a lot, so if you're fatigued, or if your immune system's not, you don't feel like it's as resilient as it should be. Um, so if your immune health is not so good, so if you're getting lots of colds and flus, mm. several, like maybe if you have a cold every month or several times um, a year, yeah. isn't, if you have a cold or, or, or a cough just once or twice a year, that's, that's normal. normal yeah. But if you're having a lot in a year or very prolonged recovery, mm. so say for instance over two weeks recovery for, for a simple cold or cough, maybe a sign that your immune system is a bit low. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, low energy as well, vitamin D is involved in. Um, but there are so many things, um, and oh, low moods as well. So anxiety, mm. depression, and low moods has also been linked to low vitamin D. Um, but it's best just to get tested. Just to yeah, check. yeah. Um, doctors are quite good now. Um, they will normally, if you've got symptoms, they will they will test. Um, mm. But it just depends on the doctor. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's always better just to be sure rather than just supplementing. Yeah, and not knowing. Yeah, what. Yeah, and can you can you get vitamin D from foods or is it just from the sun? No, no, you can get it from foods, but it's it, it's hard, so mm. that's why I think a lot of people are deficient. So you, it's in it's found in egg yolks, okay, and oily fish, mm-hmm. um, and it's found a little bit in mushrooms as well. But that's mm. about it. So if you're vegetarian or well, if you're vegan, actually, it'd be difficult. Mm. A lot of vegans are deficient in vitamin D. Yeah. Because um, you're cutting out the fish and you're cutting out the eggs. Yeah. Um, and you just got mushrooms in the sun. <laughs> yeah. And I think I read somewhere you're supposed to, to get the maximum vitamin D absorption. You're supposed to, your your wrists or something, you're supposed to expose your wrists to the sun. I think Jess told me that. Actually, really? So, yeah. Oh, I haven't heard about that. I've just, uh, no skin exposure in general, mm. any skin exposure. But I didn't know about the wrists. I'll have to look at that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why that would be. Actually. Yeah, I don't know either, but I've definitely. When it's when it's like been winter but oh, sunny. Okay. <laughs> well, I have to look at that. But yeah, any skin exposure is mm. great for because it as soon as the sunlight hits your skin, it's made in the skin. Okay. So as soon as you can get any sunlight, yeah, car, yeah. Oh, that's good. Great. Someone wanted to know how can you get rid of trapped gas quickly? Trapped gas. Um, well, gas and bloating in, could be caused by a number of reasons. So it depends what the reason is. Um, but as we were talking about earlier, if it's if it's a lot of bloating, mm. that sort of gas, mm. if that's what she meant or he meant, um, that can be a sign of dysbiosis, which is an imbalance in your gut flora. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be something to do with indigestion. So it yeah. sort of depends what the reason would And be. is that indigestion? Is that in your stomach or is that also in your gut? No, that's normally in your stomach. Okay. Um, it's when you're... It's, it's like reflux, isn't it? So mm. it's acid coming up that there's loads of reasons why that could mm. be. It could be, it can be, most people think of overproduction of stomach acid, but it can actually be under as well. Mm. Um, or it could just be the little muscle that um, stops your stomach acid coming up. That might be just over-relaxed or um, not working properly, so then you can get like a reflux. Yeah, up. I've heard of that actually. I actually have chronic acid reflux, and yeah. I need to work out <laughs> how to fix it basically. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I gave up coffee, and that helped yeah. <laughs> massively. Yeah, that can, yeah. that causes the little muscle to relax, mm. um, and that can cause like contents of it to come up in a bit. Mm. Um, and if you've got trapped wind, exercise is really, really useful. For mm-hmm. that. Um, quite often with bloating and trapped wind, um, just moving and improving blood flow and circulation, mm-hmm. 
because um, obviously there's lots of muscles that help to contract and move food along. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're finding that you're getting a lot of trapped wind, try and do some daily exercises yeah. to help move things along. Um, but there's not, I mean, there are things that you can buy, but they generally aren't really solving the problem. Mm. Um, other things you can try are herbal, certain herbal, herbal teas, mm. and peppermint teas. Oh, I love, te- pep- I have these peppermint oil tablets from Holland and Barrett, and they really sort my yeah, tummy out. They're yeah, really good. I think doctors recommend those as well, mm. if you've got really bad... Um, IBS or trapped wind they recommend peppermint oil tablets mm. or you can drink peppermint tea mm. um, or just to aid digestion in general there's lots of teas like dandelion or mm. fennel they all they all really help with digestion and mm. um, sometimes that's all it needs just a little bit of stimulation mm-hmm. just to help move the food mm. along so generally it's because it's not okay so it's stimulation because it's been trapped so it just needs something to help it yeah just help something I mean some a lot of people get trapped when they get constipation as well, mm. and that is definitely a sign where you've got reduced gut mobility, and and your food is having a reduced transit time. Yeah, because actually, yeah. So one of the questions here is: I feel like my digestion is slow slash sluggish. What can I do to speed it up? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so a good way to find out if you do have slow or sluggish mm. um, gut movements is to eat some beetroot and mm-hmm. time how long it comes takes to turn, yeah. turn everything purple yeah 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 um, so the, I think the ideal time is between the ideal gut transit time is between 12 and 24 hours okay so say for instance you ate some beetroot today then you just time when you go to the toilet and when it turns purple yeah or, not purple but like a beetroot yeah color. yeah 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 um, and that's a really easy way of timing it so if it if you find it's less than 12 hours mm-hmm. you've got fast gut transit mm-hmm. um, that's usually more on the side of, sort of diarrhea type thing yeah um or just t- it's too fast which is also not not good because yeah you're, you're not, not getting not, the nutrients yeah right, yeah yeah you're not really absorbing nutrients mm. um and it's too quick the other the other spe- end of the spectrum is that you're um you're constipated so it's over 24 hours mm. and that's a little bit too long mm-hmm. i mean the food's been sitting there for too long mm-hmm. um which it's not always great because you get a build up. Of to- you can get a build up of toxins. Mm. You can get trap wind and the constipation, mm. and bloating, and things like that. So that's a good way of knowing whether you have or not. Because sometimes you, people might feel like that they're going regularly every day, but you don't know if that's from How, two days yeah, ago. Yeah. Whether that was the food from yesterday. So it's a good way of of, of trying to find mm-hmm. out. Um, so yeah, to improve uh, or to stimulate gut motility, again, exercise. Um, it is really good. Mm-hmm. Yoga is brilliant. For that. Yeah. Oh my god, it really is. Yeah, for <laughs> it sure. It does really help. A few twists, and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh, making sure you're adequately hydrated. As yeah. Well. Something that's really, really basic, but even I forget sometimes. You know, you're busy and you mm. just oh, she haven't drank much water today. Um, so that will help. Making sure you're drinking at least a liter and a half of water or herbal tea is fine. I'd avoid. Caffeine is mm. to actually um, dehydrate you rather than hydrate you. Mm. It's not too much caffeine. Mm. Um, prune juice is really good. If, mm-hmm. you're, if you are constipated, you can drink that. That really helps you go. And just making sure you get your fibre. Yeah. Um, 
Another thing is you can add into your diet flax or flax seeds. They help you. Yeah, I've heard they're quite similar to cheers in that they get a little coating around them, aren't they? Yeah, so if you ever make chia pudding or mm. use it to bake with, it goes like in a little... It turns like frog spawn, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look very appetising, but it just goes like a bit jellyish. Mm. So if you imagine eating that, it expands and mm-hmm. it helps sort of push everything out. Okay. So that and flaxseed, those two, those two are very similar the mm. way they work, and they just help push everything out, mm. and bulk everything up. And what else? Psyllium husk. Psyllium husk's really good. Yeah. Uh, for getting you to go. <laughs> I've seen that, actually. I've never... Um, yeah, I've seen it in... Um, burger bun actually at like a healthy burger restaurant it was like made yeah, of psyllium yeah, husk you can use it to, so I use it to make bread mm. a lot of the time especially if you're gluten free mm. it's quite a handy one to to do I mean it's, it's not obviously you're not going to get the same bread texture mm. um most of my clients haven't just find it's too much of a fat to bake with mm. so they just drink it with water mm-hmm. I mean it's actually um actually prescribable it's in fiber gel that's mm. what fiber gel is it's just psyllium husk okay um and doctors prescribe it for constipation so it's the same thing ah <laughs> it's actually the same thing but you can just buy it from health food stores yeah it's just i think it's a bark from the tree yeah um and some of my clients just prefer just to get it over and done with and drink it a little yeah. cup of it in yeah. water every day and just down it yeah um and that will just help you keep keep you regular yeah regular. cool that's fascinating actually um so then, your metabolism, does that have to do with your gut, or is that more your stomach? Um, metabolism is your whole body. Okay. So that's how you're processing all the food. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I guess, because I was sort of thinking of, like, you know, things moving slowly, and then I was like, is that to do with your metabolism, or if someone has a fast metabolism, is that... Um, not, well, yeah, some people can, can have a fast yeah. metabolism. Usually that just means, in general, the whole body. Just, yeah. Um, but if you do have a fast metabolism, you can process foods quicker. Quicker, yeah. But that's like more of, more of a genetic thing. Yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that you would be able to change with that. Um, but I, find, I think, normally, if you do have increased um, or fast transit mm. in your gut, it's normally to do with um, either stress or stim- uh, something stimulating mm-hmm, food. Mm-hmm. So usually a nervous system mm-hmm. or a brain link that's mm-hmm. causing that to happen. So that's why it's so important to do relaxation and make sure mm-hmm. you do daily practices to help relax you and calm, yeah. calm you down. Yeah. And if you do suffer from things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so everyone obviously is, you know, how do we identify our kind of what our unique bodies and our unique digestive systems actually need yeah this was a really really good question I think it's one of the first questions that I looked at I yeah like, wow, that's a really good I know question. same and I, and I put it first on the list and I was like I think I'm gonna have to ask this a bit <laughs> later on because it's pretty it's pretty, <laughs> it was like pretty meaty um no it's really good and it's and it's a good question because it's actually one of the hardest areas mm. of therapy. um and I would really like to see more unique or tailored um, sort of health healthcare mm. in mainstream medicine, but it's just really difficult because you know you just don't have time. Really. Yeah, yeah, you know, like ten minutes with the doctor and that's it. Um, so that's why in um, nutritional consultations we get we, we our initial initial first consultation is seventy five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> so you don't get that. You just can't get that with the mm. doctor. Um, 
and, it, and the reason it's seventy-five minutes is because you're looking at the whole body. Mm. So you would, I would, what normally I would do is assess each body system and find. So it's, uh, okay, how and how how do you do that? Um, you get emailed a pre-screening questionnaire. Mm-hmm. How's the pre-screening questionnaire? Yeah. Before I see you, and that covers all the different uh, body systems. Okay. It's like a tick box. Yeah. Questions. Um, and I use that to have a look to see if there's anything that's imbalanced mm. in the body systems. And then when I see you, then we put together a plan, ask a little bit more in-depth questions, and we look at each system. And we also look at things like your diet, not just your diet, it's like lifestyle, mm. um, your work-life balance, your stress levels, blood tests, everything. Um, and it's all those things that then you put together like a jigsaw mm-hmm. and start to get a picture of each person's uniqueness um, mm-hmm. and that's why it's so special because mm-hmm. it's tailored to you mm-hmm. um, and there are so many different things if you think about it everybody's so different yeah yeah you've got your diet you've got genetics yeah, and yeah. your your background mm-hmm. your um your your interaction with your environment your different types of toxins that you might be so you, you, know, mm. you could be your your work could be really stressful mm-hmm. you one person that might spend a lot of time outdoors and the other person might be sat at a desk job um or we might have a smoker or you might have somebody that drinks a lot of alcohol they're all so different mm. everybody's so different and it's also about your mental state as well so mm. um emotionally and how you interact with the environment around you and your support network so um, we do testing as well. So we do look at functional markers to assess nutrient status. Again, that's different for mm. each person. Um, some person might be very anemic and low in iron. Mm. Another person might have low, low vitamin D. Mm. So those are the things that we look at yeah. to identify each person. And on top of that, you've got genetics, but that's going a bit... Yeah, a bit deep. <laughs> a bit deep. Um, yeah, it's interesting actually. So you said that you're a healthy living pharmacist. pharmacist. Yeah, yeah. What, what is that and how does that differ from normal kind of pharmacy? Um, so I work in a pharmacy that has been accredited for health, as a healthy living pharmacy. Is that kind of a brand or healthy living? Or does it no, just no. Like... So a lot of the pharmacies are now accredited as healthy living pharmacies. Okay. You have to do certain training okay. um, to do that. So I've just I've completed training yeah. to, be, to run a healthy living pharmacy and to be a healthy living pharmacist. Okay. Um, and that's quite different from what I'm doing nutritionally, but actually, mm. actually works quite well on the side. So yeah. I find that in... In my, in my job as a pharmacist, I can then um, advise on a lot more um, about diet and nutrition yeah. and things like that. So it's more like what I'm doing with nutrition is more like an add-on yeah. um, to what I'm doing in pharmacy. Yeah. So most pharmacists, if, if they're based at a pharmacy... Um, and the pharmacy is a healthy living pharmacy. They will be healthy living pharmacists. Okay, and um, how do you find out if sort of you know your local pharmacy is one or not? Uh, you, you normally have a sign. They okay. Have a sign up that says. So mm-hmm. I work um, at various different pharmacies. I work in a Seamills pharmacy, um, Well Pharmacy in Seamills, um, and it's part of uh, it's like a doctor's surgery. Mm. And I work in the pharmacy mm. there. Um, so I used to manage that pharmacy, but I don't. I don't anymore because I wanted to do this. Yeah. So I decided to sort of as one of the work life balances that I decided to change because mm. it was just getting a bit too mm. much. Mm. Um so I decided to go part time there and then do this mm-hmm. as well to help complement and actually worked out really, really well. Yeah, that sounds like they probably go <coughs> really well together. 
Um, so that's cool. And I guess any kind of way that you can maybe sort of look at something a bit more from a natural perspective. Or yeah, is... I think people are more interested as well. Mm. It also gives you a little bit more to offer. So say um, some a lot of people that do come in for advice may have tried whatever it was to sort out the indigestion mm. and it's not working. Mm. It gives me a little bit... It's like another tool, basically, mm-hmm. to... Um, advise people on other natural approaches mm-hmm. if, if they want not, not everybody wants that some people are quite happy just to take a pill yeah but um, it's another option isn't it it's another thing yeah. you can try yeah cool so what would be um, your sort of like top three tips for sort of healthy healthy living or healthy kind of gut oh this is good um, healthy gut or healthy living well, I've got one here that says five guidelines for healthy living, and then someone else has also said best gut foods ever. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll just combine them then. Um, so, gut, best gut food, I would definitely say just um, prebiotics and probiotic mm-hmm. foods, mm-hmm. so fermented foods, mm-hmm. um, lots of fruits, uh, lots of vegetables, and some fruit. So, like the seven a day. Mm-hmm guideline um because those types of foods actually help feed the gut microbiome mm-hmm. in a healthy way um so that would be very important for gut food um and prebiotic foods which i mentioned which are foods like so prebiotics and probiotics are different yeah what is the difference so the the way of the, you can think about i think of it as prebiotic foods feeding the probiotic bacteria Mm -hmm. (laughs) so there's certain foods that good bacteria prefer in your gut um and that is the the prebiotic foods which are things like juice and artichoke onions garlics leeks Uh, those types of food contain a certain sort of fiber that the good bacteria really thrive on okay helps to feed them Mm -hmm. so if you are looking to for long-term gut health and trying not to take a lot of supplements and probiotic supplements then to feed your gut with those things on a daily basis mm. to maintain it so those would be really important and yeah and the fermented foods as well so that would be my foods for gut health definitely mm-hmm. um there are lots of others but if it's just the top few then then those i'd say the most important um and for i think you said it's a five Tips for health, general health. Yeah, someone said five guidelines for healthy living. Five guidelines for healthy living. Ooh. Um, I think the most important thing is to follow a whole food diet as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to reduce the amount of processed foods you're eating. And that's it's really difficult sometimes, and you won't be able to do it all the time. Mm. But... Um, by eating whole foods, you're cutting out a lot of junk, mm. um, and you're maximising the amount of nutrition that you can get. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a whole food diet. You know, I don't, I don't advocate any particular diet. It's mm-hmm. not going to say, oh, go vegetarian or go vegan. It depends on the person. Mm-hmm. So just as long as it's a whole food diet and you're getting in um, as many as many whole foods as possible, then that would be the most important thing. Um, and the other ones are probably more lifestyle related. So. Um, managing your stress levels has mm-hmm. a yeah. huge impact mm. on your well-being. I think people underestimate that. Mm-hmm. I definitely did. 
Um, so reducing and managing your stress levels is not always easy, but it is really, really important. Getting enough sleep, that's another one that's really hard, but actually really, really yeah. hard. Um, and changing, you might have to change things, certain routines to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding something, for, I think this is a really important one as well, finding something that you really are passionate about and enjoy, that makes a huge difference to the quality of your life. Um, and a huge difference to your mental well-being, mm. which is then linked to your general well-being. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's that four now. I don't know. And, and mm-hmm. exercise, definitely. Yeah, exercise. Yeah, exercise. Some sort of exercise. Cool. Um, that's really awesome. We've actually covered pretty much everything. Although my housemate had a great question. She wanted to know: um, Does timing really matter when it comes to food? You know, eating late at night or eating too early in the morning is is that a thing? And why has intermittent fasting become such a big deal mm, as well? Yeah, intermittent fasting is really interesting. A lot of people have, been, have, um, have tried that. So it depends what you're trying to do mm-hmm. with that. Um, so the timing of your food does matter. Uh, if you're eating very late at night mm. and you're going to sleep quite soon after eating, then you're not going to have time for your food to digest. That's I have this problem because I teach till quite late often and then I get home and I've yeah, started I having have, smaller dinners and stuff. I but this, Yeah, it is hard. Mm. I mean, on some day, on the days that I work, I don't get home till seven. Mm. By the time you've eaten and then you go to bed, it's, it, it, sometimes it's like only a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah, hours. totally. Um, and there's not, sometimes there's nothing you can do, but just, mm-hmm. just to be more aware of it, if you, eat, if you eat a large meal and then you go to sleep, go to bed, you're not going to have digested that properly. Yeah. Um, if you've got no gut problems at all, you might not have any issues, but if you're, if you suffer from things like bloating anyway, mm. indigestion, eating a large meal and then lying down and mm. trying to go to sleep where everything starts to shut down, yeah. you're going to increase the risk of it over-fermenting okay. and not properly digesting. Yeah. Because um, there's lots of processes that go on while you're asleep that your body has to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and while those processes go on, you're not going to be digesting properly. So, yes, eating smaller meals or earlier um, would be helpful. And if that's not possible, then, yeah, you might have to just leave it till a little bit later to go to bed. Um, but, yeah, it is, it, it is really difficult. Mm. Um, I would say if you're getting home late, have something ready mm. that you can just eat quickly so you don't have to cook and do other things mm-hmm. before you can eat. Just minimise the time mm. or grab something on the way home. Omelettes sort of become my late-night dinner food. Yeah, that's really good. Because <laughs> it's, it's filling. I feel like that I can digest eggs And you don't quickly. need to eat a lot. If you're yeah. eating late, it's unlikely you're going to need a lot. Anyway. Yeah, you can just yeah. Have a little bit. Mm. Um, Eating early is not a problem. As mm-hmm. soon as you eat, you're breaking your fast. It's like an overnight fast. Yeah. Your body starts. Your body wakes up and your metabolism kickstarts. Mm-hmm. So eating early is fine. There's nothing wrong with eating okay. early at all. Yeah. Um, if you're doing intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating, um, then you would need to look at the time windows. Um, but it depends on you know why you're doing it. So. So intermittent fasting and, and time restricted eating they're time restricted eating, they're really good for um, controlling blood sugars mm-hmm. and for weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't do them if you are diabetic because mm. <laughs> that's gonna cause problems. Yeah. Unless the doctor said that's okay, but generally it's not a very good idea. If you've got if you've got unstable blood sugars and you're insulin dependent, then you shouldn't really be doing fasting unless mm-hmm. the doctor said it's okay. Um, but if you've just uh, if you've just got 
poor blood sugar control and you're not actually diabetic, it's a really good way of, um, of, of helping to regulate your blood sugars. Um, but some people do the, I can't remember what the windows are, I think there's the, there's like a, you eat for, I can't remember, you don't it's eat Generally for, like eight hours of eating, isn't it, and six yeah, 16 hours, hours where you don't, yeah. or 12 and 12, so mm. just, some people find that really difficult, mm. 16, 8, um, especially if you work yeah. long hours, Yeah, um, that's not possible sometimes, mm. unless you're eating dinner at work, um, but the 12 and 12 is normally quite manageable, mm. people start with 12 and 12, so you eat in 12 hours and you don't eat in 12 hours, mm. so you just eat a later breakfast, mm. you just start eating your breakfast a little bit later in the morning, so that your window of eating mm. is, is shortened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can help if you're, if you've got, um, a sluggish, like say like a sluggish, um, digestive system, mm-hmm. or you've got indigestion, things like that, um, it can help, it helps clear out and gives time for your gut to, to, to process the food. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it can be really helpful. In mm, okay, cool. Um, well, that's fascinating. I'm glad that that's been confirmed that it's not so good to eat late. No, it's not. Mornings are... If it's not too regular, I can't yeah. see that it's going to cause yeah. huge amounts of problems. Obviously, the thing is, I always say, is don't get too stressed about things like this. There's so many things that you could do mm. that after a while, it's a bit like, well, it's too overwhelming and then you're mm-hmm. going to stress yourself. If you stress yourself out... By trying to do too many things, then that's going to be counterproductive to you and your health in yeah. a way. So just try to do what you can manage. Yeah, <laughs> do what you can manage. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Angela. And then if people would like to book a nutritional consultation with you, how can they contact you and find you? Yeah, they can go onto my website, which is um, www.higherhealthcare.co.uk. Or you can find me on Facebook as Higher Healthcare or on Instagram on higher.health. Higher.health. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And now we have a delicious spelt cake, spelt cake that Jess has made that we're going to tuck into. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Angela. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to episode five of the Wolfcast of Angela. I found hearing Angela talk about gut health totally fascinating and I learned a lot. So I really hope you guys did too. You can find all of her details in the show notes and don't hesitate to drop me a line on at Tales of Wild Wolves on Instagram if you have any questions or feedback. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and enjoyed the episode, please rate us five stars and leave a review as this helps people find us. See you next time.